Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. I want to thank everyone who helped with VBS. We had a wonderful and great VBS, and I'm glad that you get to experience some of that this morning. And if you weren't able to help, now's your chance, because afterwards we're going to tear all this down. And uh, I, I know it's sad. We, we, we want to try to save everything. We just don't have the room. But we're going to, I think, throw away everything except the cloth. So if you can just take a piece of cardboard and put it in the dumpster, we can be done in just a few minutes. If you're visiting with us, and I notice we had several visitors this morning, and please fill out one of those cards. You can leave it in the pew or you can give it to myself or one of the elders. We would love to, to, to get your information and um, tell you thank you for, for worshiping with us today. I'm so glad that that Ron led us in that uh, hymn this morning, that spiritual, Were You There? Uh, We're we're in a series now where we're looking at the spirituals and we're studying the words, but but hopefully you felt during that song, it's more than just the words. This is soul music, you know, and there's just something about singing it, and and it's good for the soul. Uh, But as we begin... I want to read a poem from uh, James Weldon Johnson, his book, God's Trombones, and this is entitled The Crucifixion. So you may just want to, you may want to close your eyes, just, just meditate on Jesus and the cross and his crucifixion. Jesus, my gentle Jesus, walking in the dark of the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, saying to the three disciples, Sorrow is in my soul, even unto death. Tarry you here a little while and watch with me. Jesus, my burdened Jesus, praying in the dark of the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, O Father, this bitter cup, this bitter cup, let it pass from me. Jesus, my sorrowing Jesus, the sweat like drops of blood upon his brow, talking with his father while the three disciples slept, saying, Father, O Father, not as I will, not as I will, but let thy will be done. O look at black-hearted Judas, sneaking through the dark of the garden, leading his crucifying mob, O God, Strike him down. Why don't you strike him down before he plants his traitor's kiss upon my Jesus' cheek? And they take my blameless Jesus and they drag him to the governor, to the mighty Roman governor, great Pilate seated in his hall, great Pilate on his judgment seat, said, In this man I find no fault. I find no fault in him. And Pilate washed his hands. But they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. His blood be on our heads. And they beat my loving Jesus. They spit on my precious Jesus. They dressed him up in a purple robe. They put a crown of thorns upon his head and they pressed it down. Oh, they pressed it down. And they mocked my sweet King Jesus. 
up Gagaltha's rugged road. I see my Jesus go. I see him sink beneath the load. I see my drooping Jesus sink. And then they laid hold on Simon. Black Simon, yes, black Simon. They put the cross on Simon. And Simon bore the cross on Calvary. On Calvary, they crucified my Jesus. They nailed him to the cruel tree. And the hammer, the hammer, the hammer rang through Jerusalem's streets. The hammer, the hammer, the hammer rang through Jerusalem's streets. Jesus, my lamb-like Jesus, shivering as the nails go through his hands. Jesus, my lamb-like Jesus, shivering as the nails go through his feet. Jesus, my darling Jesus, groaning as the Roman spear plunged in his side. Jesus, my darling Jesus, groaning as the blood came spurting from his wound. Oh, look how they done my Jesus. Mary, weeping Mary, sees her poor little Jesus on the cross. Mary, weeping Mary, sees her sweet baby Jesus on the cruel cross, hanging between two thieves. And Jesus, my lonesome Jesus, called out once more to his Father, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he drooped his head and died. And the veil of the temple was split in two. The midday sun refused to shine. The thunder rumbled and the lightning wrote an unknown language in the sky. What a day, Lord. What a day when my blessed Jesus died. Oh, I tremble. Yes, I tremble. It causes me to tremble, tremble, when I think how Jesus died. Died on the steeps of Calvary. How Jesus died for sinners. Sinners like you and me. James Weldon Johnson, who wrote that poem, was one of the, the people I talked about last week who, who collected these spirituals. There were all these spirituals that people sung. that was sort of this oral tradition. But, but Johnson was one of the first ones to bring them together, to collect them and put them in a book so that we have them today. And so last week, as we began to, to look at spirituals, we, we, we learned that our circumstances affect how we look at Scripture and how we look at biblical things. For instance, we talked about heaven last week. And many today tend to think of heaven as this place with golden streets and pearly gates. But the authors of the spirituals thought of heaven as this place where you cannot be put out. Now, both of those things are true, but they are very different ways of looking at heaven. 
And you see what the spirituals do is they open us to new realities. They reveal truths that, that we may have missed or we may have forgotten. And they invite us to see the things of God from a different perspective. And this is certainly true of the spiritual that we're looking at today. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? This song is a, is a meditation on the suffering of Jesus. And to ask anyone who sings it or, or hears it to contemplate what led Jesus to his death. Now we have to be careful that we do not make the cross one-dimensional. When some look at the cross, all they see is the forgiveness of sins. They see it only as a symbol of salvation, nothing else. It's something to celebrate. It's an image that can be used on t-shirts or jewelry or advertisements. And the cross is removed from its original context, and before long, people forget that the cross was even an instrument of death. We should be grateful for the salvation that we receive through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. But we must also recognize there is more to the cross than just the forgiveness of past sins. When we make the cross one-dimensional, we rob it of its full meaning. We distort the cross of all that it is. Because you see, the cross has more than one meaning. It has multiple messages, and we need all of them. The cross is at the heart of the gospel. For Paul, the Apostle Paul, the cross is everything. He writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so we learn here that, that Jesus and, and the cross consumed all of Paul's thoughts. It captivated his mind. He wanted to know nothing, nothing except Christ and him crucified. Do we have that same desire? Is, is the cross just something that's going to get us to heaven, or is it more than that? Is it what we think about? Is it in our conversations? Does it shape our vision and our plans? Consider how often it is that, that we worry about things that either do not matter or things in which we have absolutely no control over. Our thoughts are consumed by Netflix or sports or uh, politics or local gossip or, or whatever. But, but think about this. How would our lives be different if our thoughts were consumed by Jesus and his cross? Now, this does not mean we don't think about anything else. We never talk about anything else. It means that Jesus becomes the center of everything. He's what we're living for. He is our goal for everything that we do in our life. He is our desire. He takes up more space in our life than anything else. It's all about Jesus. 
What might we be able to do as a church in this community if we began to think more about Jesus and his cross? What if we were more concerned with saving souls than the economy? What if we thought about reaching the loss as much as we think about our favorite sports team or TV show? What if we centered the conversations that we have here in this building around Jesus? What if we devoted more time and attention to to outreach, spiritual formation, evangelism, Christian fellowship, all these things that in which Jesus devoted himself? Because you see, this is what Paul did, and because of this, he greatly impacted the world. And we can do the same. All we have to do is turn our mind and our thoughts toward Jesus. Like Paul, we make a decision to make Jesus and his cross the center of everything that we know and we think about. So the cross not only consumed Paul's thoughts, but it also consumed his life. I want you to consider a couple statements here. First, Galatians 2.20, one that you're probably quite familiar with. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But then there's Romans 6, 3 through 6, where Paul talks about baptism and he's describing the beginning of our Christian journey. And listen to the language that he uses here. He says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we could no longer be enslaved to sin. Well, what is baptism? Well, it's more than the forgiveness of sins. It's certainly that, but it's also more. Paul says here that we are united with Jesus in his death, that we die to ourselves and Christ is to live in us. Too often, we're baptized and We never die to self. We want baptism without the cross. We want salvation without crucifying our egos. When we are baptized, it's no longer about me, me, me. Life in Christ is is not about striving after our personal wants, desires, or rights. It's about laying down our lives and following Jesus. It is not a radical individualism. It is a life lived in community and devoted to serving others. Christian living is to be shaped by the cross. Our lives and how we live should resemble Jesus and his sacrifice. And so when we're baptized into Christ, we receive certain blessings. Our sins are forgiven. We receive the Holy Spirit. But that's not all. We're given a new identity. 
We belong to Christ. We, we're, we're to change directions. This is what repentance is and, and to go a different way. And this is what Paul famously describes in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer me. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And that is no small change. That's not just making a couple minor adjustments. That is radical. It is crucifixion. It is dying to self and living for Christ. And people are going to notice a change like that. And so the cross should influence our thinking and how we live. But, But what does this look like? How does this work? And the way it works is that the cross should touch every aspect of our lives. And so in certain places, Paul gets very specific about what this means. I'll give you one. Ephesians 5.25, he says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so living a cross-shaped life means that, that husbands are to love and sacrifice for their wives, just as Christ did for the church. Followers of Jesus live differently. And that's just one example, but it doesn't stop with marriage. It should shape how we parent and how we you know, do our jobs. It means that we live differently as a neighbor and as a friend. And so no part of our life should remain unaltered by the cross. It should touch everything. And so the spiritual that we're looking at this morning, were you there? What it does is it invites us to the foot of the cross. And it does more than simply celebrate the the salvation of the cross. It takes us to the cross and it asks us to consider what Jesus endured. Most versions of the song are are comprised of, of questions that help us do just this. And so the first question is always the same. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And this question is followed by a series of others. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they pierced him in the side? Were you there when the sun refused to shine? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Now, the version that we have in our hymnal, it adds a couple of verses that that continue the story and give it a brighter ending. However, these more upbeat verses are are not present in the earlier versions. And the reason for this is simple. This is a song about the suffering of Jesus that was written and sung by people who were experiencing their own suffering. And so they could easily identify with this moment in Jesus' life. The Son of God came to earth, and he experienced injustice. He suffered at the hands of cruel men. He was persecuted and put to death. And all of this was necessary, as the author of Hebrews explains. And so Hebrews 2, 14 through 18 states, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Christ, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, 
and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So what we learn here in this marvelous passage is that Jesus took on flesh and blood. And he went to the cross to overcome Satan and to deliver us from death and from the slavery of sin. But he also did this so that he could help us with our temptations. And so those who sing this song and find strength in the sufferings of Jesus are right in their understanding of the cross. One of the reasons that that Jesus suffered and died was to help us in our moments of weakness. Jesus understands. He can relate to whatever it is that, that we're going through, and he can help us. And so if you're in pain, take it to Jesus. If you're suffering, sing this song. You know, some don't want to focus on the cruelty of the cross. It's messy and it's ugly. It's bloody. It's violent. You know, it's, it's easier to sanitize the cross and ignore that moment of horror. And I understand why people want to do that. But it's not helpful. Because we need to meditate on the cruelty of the cross because we live in a world that is equally cruel and messy and bloody and violent. We need to know that Jesus faced the world and all of its fallenness. He experienced humanity at its worst. He knows. He understands. And so when we experience injustice or cruelty or suffering, we can do so courageously knowing that Jesus went before us, knowing that we have an advocate with the Father who can relate to whatever it is we're going through. What we see at the cross is not only someone who endured suffering and death, but we see someone who overcame it. The, the cross of Jesus is love in its purest form. There was not a selfish bone in Jesus' body. And, and what Jesus did is he took on all the violence and all the evil of the world at the cross. And he transformed it into something beautiful. And so one of the reasons that, that we can display crosses in, in, in church buildings or homes or other places is because Jesus changed the meaning of the cross. The cross is now a symbol of love, a symbol of salvation, a symbol of the power of God. And the cross reminds us that there's something 
more powerful than all the evil and darkness that we regularly face. Jesus came and he triumphed over these powers in the world and we can do the same through him. And so we overcome by meditating on the cross as as this spiritual we were there invites us to do. And we are transformed by taking the time to, to contemplate Jesus, his life, his death, his suffering, and his resurrection. But like Paul, Jesus needs to be our everything. He needs to be what we think about and how we live. And this is only possible if we spend time with Jesus and we see him as he truly is. A one-dimensional Jesus cannot help us. A sanitized Jesus will not save us. And so we need to know the Jesus who was born where the animals were kept and who was laid in a feeding trough. We need to know the Jesus who ate with prostitutes and tax collectors and touched lepers. We need to know the Jesus who went toe-to-toe with the devil. We need to know the Jesus who invited uneducated fishermen to follow him. We need to know the Jesus who was mocked, beaten, spat upon, and nailed to a cross. We need to know the Jesus that was laid in a grave. And we need to know the Jesus that was raised from that grave, but raised with scars on his hands, on his feet, and on his side. Because this is the Jesus that we worship and whom we serve. This is the Jesus who knows our troubles and our sorrows. This is the Jesus who can help us when we suffer. So it's good for us to regularly reflect on the cross and to tremble, tremble, tremble. Because a cross that does not cause us to tremble is no cross at all. And the spirituals present the cross as it truly is. They do not sugarcoat it. They don't obscure it in any way. It is the cross as we were meant to see it. And so I say to you this morning, embrace the cross of Jesus. Cling to it. Make it your own. Allow it to transform your life and forever be changed. A cross-shaped life is sacrificial. It's not always easy. If anyone tells you otherwise, they're lying. It asks something of us. It costs us something. However, it is the best life. And once Paul and others experienced this life that was shaped by the cross, they didn't want any other life. And we can have that same life. We are united to the cross of Christ through baptism, and we are invited 
to live the rest of our lives with the cross in mind. And so spirituals like were you there, they help us do exactly this. Because you see, the cross puts everything in perspective. There is no selfishness in the shadow of the cross. There is no pride in the, in the shadow of the cross. There is no envy in the shadow of the cross. And the more it is that we meditate on it, the more we tremble, tremble, tremble. The more we come to know and understand the mindset of Jesus. And these are not wasted moments. They are moments that shape us into the people that we ought to be. And so may we never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to us and us to the world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And we're grateful for who you are and what you do in our lives. May we as a people always keep the cross before us. And as we meditate on it and contemplate it, may it transform us. May it rid us of our selfishness and sin as we tremble, tremble, tremble from the thought of what Jesus endured. May we become more like him. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.